Welcome to Living Intentionally's fourth podcast. Living Intentionally podcasts are intended to help you make informed decisions that enable you to improve your health and well-being. When we're armed with accurate information, we're in an excellent position to take full responsibility for our experience, both emotionally and physically. On this episode of the Living Intentionally podcast, I'd like to discuss an aspect of health maintenance that simply cannot be overlooked, exercise. Regardless of your health condition, an exercise program is elemental to achieving and maintaining excellent health. And as cliche as it may sound, if you don't use it, indeed you will lose it. Exercise varies greatly in form and difficulty. Some exercises are extremely gentle on the body. Others stress the body heavily. Exercise can either be predominantly aerobic or anaerobic in nature. Aerobic exercise is intended to benefit the cardiovascular system. A good example of aerobic exercise is jogging. Anaerobic exercise is intended to work musculature apart from the cardiovascular system. Weight training is an example of anaerobic exercise. Generally speaking, a well-rounded exercise program features both aerobic and anaerobic exercise. When choosing exercises, it's important to go with something you'll enjoy. It might not be obvious, but if you're not enjoying a particular exercise, it's unlikely that you'll continue doing it long enough to enjoy its benefits. Some exercises bridge the gap between anaerobic and aerobic exercise. Squats are an excellent example of the type of hybrid exercise. Squats, executed in slow motion, roughly 30 seconds for a round trip of down and up again, push the muscle initially into anaerobic output. After a few repetitions, all the initial energy stores in the muscle are depleted and subsequent work takes place aerobically. By taking recovery breaks, one can cycle between anaerobic and aerobic fueling as one repeats the exercises. I'm a huge fan of super slow motion strength training. Any of the classical core exercises, sit-ups, push-ups, and squats, can bring tremendous improvements to the body when done in slow motion. The greatest benefit in super slow motion exercise comes when the practitioner ensures the exercise is executed through the full range of motion. Most traditional exercising has one bursting through a partial range of motion. In fact, some trainers believe that this burst output is essential for promoting development of fast twitch muscle fiber. Nothing could be further from the truth. Super slow motion exercise benefits the growth and development of both slow twitch and fast twitch muscles because of the natural transition between anaerobic and aerobic energy output during exercise. Fast twitch muscles rely on anaerobic metabolism for fuel. Slow twitch muscles utilize aerobic metabolism. When done correctly, squats could be thought of as the best core development exercise there is. When the body's core musculature is strong and well-balanced, the entire frame is more resistant to injury, better balanced, and stronger. In fact, one of the lesser-known benefits of a strong core is better posture. Core posture isn't just a bad habit, it is exacerbated by weak core muscles. Beyond slow-motion strength training, High-intensity interval training can bring about huge health benefits. In fact, one of the greatest benefits could come to those who are pressed for time. Interval training can bring about all of the cardiovascular benefits of traditional jogging, for example, in a fraction of the time. 
Instead of running for several hours per week, interval training two to three times per week in 20-minute sessions can do it all. High-intensity interval training does a great job of mimicking how we play as kids. If you've ever been near a playground and watched children play, you'll often see them running full tilt for 10 to 20 seconds, then taking a break before sprinting off yet again. This is an example of interval training at its finest. Moreover, humans are well adapted to this kind of activity. Well, that is when we're active. If you're returning to an exercise program after a period of being sedentary, I caution you to take your time working up to interval training. If you push too hard too soon, the risk of injury is significant, and as one who has faced exercise-related injury many times over the years, such injuries can seriously put a damper on your enthusiasm for the program. Go slowly, with an eye to the long term. It's not about getting it all done now, it's about setting up a program and following it for the rest of your life. Finally, I'd like to talk a little bit about long-distance running. Over the decades, a lot of conflicting information about its risks and benefits have been discussed by many experts in the fields of healthcare and physical training. I'm guessing the controversy may not be finished for many. It's difficult to find the truth among the many opinions out there, and wow, are there ever a lot of opinions. I've been a fan of long-distance running for many years, starting back in the mid-70s when I ran on my school's cross-country racing team. I discovered the runner's high, and well, I really enjoyed it. For me, running was always a meditative experience, and many times I would go out for two to three hours at a time, alternating between running, jogging, and walking as my mood and energy indicated. In the last couple of years, I've done a lot of reading that suggested that long-distance running was actually bad for us. Reports of scarring of the heart muscle and increased risk of heart attack were certainly not the news that I wanted to hear, but actually it encouraged me to hang up my running shoes. Occasionally, however, I'd be out hiking and a mountain trail would seduce me into a canter that would bring about that lovely runner's high again. I wondered at something that could obviously feel so good, well, how could that be so bad for my heart? Recently, I was listening to a science program about the evolution of running in various mammals, and lo and behold, the science of long-distance running was explained in extraordinary fashion. It seems that humans and canines are especially well-suited for long-distance running due to our extraordinary ability to regulate our thermal output during midday. Apparently, we evolved this way as a means of being able to run down our prey into heat exhaustion. I had no idea. And thus a dogma was dismissed. Long-distance running isn't something that merely feels good for some unknown reason. Those feel-good hormones get released during long-distance running as a reward for running down your prey. And these days, our prey is a healthy and hard body. Keep exercising. And if you haven't started a program yet, it's never too late to get started. And remember, take responsibility for your well-being and master your life. <laughs>